0: You guys remember, right, the Andy Griffith Show, right? Great, great show, great show. Well, there was an episode of this show where Sheriff Griffith is traveling out of town, and so guess who's left in charge? His deputy, Barney Fife. And Barney decides to fully staff, you know, the the law enforcement agency there in Mayberry that he should recruit um, Gomer, the town mechanic, as his deputy so he deputizes Gomer and in the show the two at one point are walking down Main Street together and they are startled as they come across a crime in progress someone is robbing the bank there in Mayberry and they, they, they hide behind a bush paralyzed by fear Until finally, Gomer says, Shazam! Somebody should call the police! And Barney, exasperated, looks at him and says, We are the police. And this morning, as we continue our series of Spirit Within, we're gonna talk about our identity. Who are we? Who is the church? Who has the Spirit of God empowered us to be because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Are we paralyzed by fear when we see what's happening around us? Whether you turn on the TV and hear another report about Manchester, 22 killed by a terrorist, or whether it's just walking down the street and seeing something that's not right, that's not good, seeing the darkness around you, it really is impossible not to... To see the brokenness in the world. Back when we lived in Rio, this cat, solid black, beautiful but scrawny street cat, showed up on our church property. We were constructing back then, and he showed up, and, and the night watchman there would give him some scraps. And anyway, we eventually adopted this cat uh, into our family. We called him Dash because that movie The Incredibles had just come out, and there was this kid on the movie whose superpower was was running super fast, and Dash was fast, so we called him Dash. We brought him home, gave him a home, and he was one of the sweetest little cats um, that you could ever know. In fact, he became just a part of our family, and if I were power-ranking my favorite pets, Dash would certainly be near the top of the list. Well, as cats do sometimes, he disappeared for a time and we wondered where he was and we worried about him days went by had he run away had dash been hit by a car had some other family seen how awesome this cat is and adopted him into their family we wondered about these things and a few weeks went by and he didn't show up eventually I was doing some work I was sweeping the sidewalk out in front of our of our home And there was a cardboard box there right where we would set out the trash. And so, I mean, this is my house, this is my trash area. I open up the box to see what's in there, and I made a pretty heartbreaking discovery. Dash's body was in that box. And then what I saw beyond that even disturbed me more. There were a pair of rubber surgical gloves, and there was a a syringe Someone had killed our cat. Someone had poisoned our cat with that syringe. Why would somebody do that? What's wrong with the world, you know? And really, it was infuriating and it was confusing all at the same time. And for a while then, I would wonder with suspicion which one of our neighbors was our cat killer We constantly see this brokenness in the world, this hurt, and sometimes it does hit very close to home. And we'll get back to the rest of Dasha's story here in a few minutes. But I just wanted to say, look, it's a natural thing. Um, It really is to look out, whether it's in your neighborhood or whether it's on the 24-hour news, to look out and see the evil and the injustice and the brokenness in the world and and to say to somebody or to tweet out there or to post and say, someone really ought to do something and guess what that someone is you those someones are us we are the church our Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords he is the king of kings he saved the world through his death burial and resurrection we are his people we are his church we are the body of Christ and his work Continues here in Dallas, Texas, in this great mission field, and to the very ends of the earth, Jesus' work continues. So let's re- jump right in this morning. I put this right up the top there on your outline. This idea, Jesus continued. We are the continuation of Jesus and his ministry and his mission, sharing the gospel. Think about it this way. It isn't our work, really. It is the continuation of His work. And in the mission to be witnesses for the gospel, the Spirit provides us with power and partnership. In other words, we have everything that we could possibly need to continue the mission of Christ here in our mission field and beyond. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is spending time before his ascension to heaven, spending time giving final instructions to his disciples face to face. And while they were thrilled to be spending time with the resurrected Jesus Christ, they were scared because he was telling them that he was about to go. He was about to go home to heaven. And this is what Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1. Verses 8 and 9, Jesus said, hang on guys, don't be afraid. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, try to imagine this scene. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, they're having this conversation with him, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So the gospel, that message and that mission of Jesus, that is our message that is our mission amen we are jesus dot 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 continued that's who we are the bible calls the church the body of christ the body of christ that's who we are so the next time you hear a sister or a brother lamenting the latest crisis the latest tragedy the latest scandal the latest shame you might kindly remind them we are the police that's who we are okay we're not the police but we are the church we're part of God's answer to the brokenness in this world we have been We have been authorized and deputized and mobilized for the good of mankind on behalf of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there is a significant challenge, right, for Christians. When they, like Gomer, (laughs) forget who they are and settle for something less, for something... Weaker. So write this down on your outline this morning. I saw something like this from Francis Chan. I thought this was so good I needed to share it. Here it is. We don't need, think about it, we don't need the Spirit's partnership and power if we are simply trying to live semi-moral lives and attend church regularly. You don't need the Holy Spirit for that. We urgently need the Spirit if we are going to impact our world for Christ. You with me? You just don't even need the Holy Spirit to just kind of be a good person and show up on Sunday morning. You do need the Holy Spirit if you're going to reach the world for your Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as the story of the church rolls along there in the book of Acts, we started there in chapter 1, what we see is story after story of regular Ordinary folks who are sharing their faith, who are witnessing for Jesus, who are on fire for Christ, whose lives are full of the Holy Spirit. And the consequences of these ordinary people being on mission, quite frankly, the consequences were stunning for the entire Roman Empire. Right Here's one little example. The book is full of them, but this is from Acts chapter 17 as they are in the city, that some of the disciples in the city of Thessalonica. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as was his custom, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. So let's just pause there. So it was a big problem, a big point of confusion that the Christ, the Messiah, would suffer and die. That did not fit into their version of the story. And so Paul is just opening up the scriptures. Look, it's in the scriptures. All of it's in the scriptures. And he's reasoning with them and he's teaching them and he's, and he's proving to them that Jesus is the Christ. And some of them, continuing, some of them were persuaded. And a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, some goons there in the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, he's one of the disciples, and sought to bring them out to this mob, to the people. And when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. They had been hearing about what had been happening down in Jerusalem. They had heard stories about this movement and the ripples that it was causing in society. And they're like, this movement that has been turning the world upside down has arrived at our doorstep in our town. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to fix this? The Roman Empire was being shaken, was being turned upside down. The disciples, it was happening because they were witnesses for the truth about Jesus. And it wasn't, I love the honesty here, it wasn't just sunshine and rainbows, was it? Oh, they're preaching the message and everybody's converting and it's awesome. Wow. No, there are all sorts of responses and one of them was envy, which generated all this awful stuff here. Uh, Gathering mobs and uproar and an attack on the house of this guy Jason. On the other hand, Lots and lots of people believed on Jesus. Lots and lots of people found the answer they'd been looking for in Jesus. And this great multitude, including these leading ladies of town, is joining this movement. How did this happen? The Roman Empire, the world superpower, being turned upside down by this crucified Galilean Rabbi, how does this happen, right? I mean, it happened because the Spirit had breathed purpose and power into the lives of these ordinary people so that they could be witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And don't forget in Acts chapter 1, as we just saw, Jesus predicted all of this would happen. He said, you're going to do it. 17 chapters later, they are doing it. It's happening all over the place. How was it possible? How did the world get turned upside down? Not only was the Spirit at work in people like us, not only was the Spirit of God at work in the disciples, in the Christians, but the Spirit of God was also at work on the other end, was also at work in the world, in the hearts and minds of the lost. That's how it happened. So the Holy Spirit in evangelism is at work on both sides of the equation. He, is, he works through the witnesses, through the testimony of believers like you and me, and he works in the hearts of the world, the hearts of the lost. And here's what Jesus had to say about this. Um, in John chapter 16, Listen to what Jesus says about this and the role of the Holy Spirit, the helper. But I tell you the truth. It is better for you. Remember this, we started out week one with this. It is better for you that I go away. That's one just to ponder. Jesus, it's better if I go away. Why would that be better? It's better because of what I'm sending or who I'm sending. When I go away... I will send the Holy Spirit. I will send the Helper to you. And if I do not go away, the Helper will not come. That's why it's better for you. When the Helper comes, he will prove to who? He will prove to the people of the world the truth about sin, about being right with God, and about judgment. He will prove to them that sin is not believing in me. He will prove to them that being right with God comes from my going to the Father and not being seen anymore. And the Helper will prove to them that judgment happened, past tense, that judgment happened when the ruler of this world was judged. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. We'll unpack it for just a few minutes. In the text, Jesus says that the Spirit is our helper. I don't know about you. I could use some help. I need the helper, right? Um, Living in this confused, broken mess of a world uh, where people turn to all sorts of places for answers, we need divine help, which is exactly what we're being offered here. Help because sometimes folks only have a version of the story, only have a version of the truth and not the whole story. It had been a while after we had said goodbye to our cat. And we're starting to finally kind of set all of that out of mind a little bit when I was in a conversation with one of our neighbors, and she said, I don't think you have the full story about what happened to your cat. And she began to talk with me about our cat. She said, so I know who killed your cat. Actually, you've got it all wrong. You don't have the whole story. She told me that Dr. Fernanda, one of our neighbors, saw Dash get hit by a car in front of her house. Now, she's a veterinarian. She didn't know who the cat belonged to, but she she knew that something had to be done. So she got into her medical kit, and seeing that the animal was in terrible pain and was mortally wounded, she put Dash to sleep. It had been an act of mercy, an act of compassion. Fernanda had gone out of her way to intervene and end Dash's suffering, and I hadn't had the whole story. And I think when it comes to the gospel, a lot of times people don't have the full story, and it leaves them confused. Sometimes it's a finger-pointing gospel, right? I mean, it is a gospel where there is a cruel God who is quick to condemn and quick to judge, and when Christians who they know at the workplace or at school or in their neighborhood are judgmental and are condemning, it just confirms this view or this version of the gospel. Sometimes it is a, it's this harsh and violent death of Jesus that is seen as evidence of God's cruelty. How could a loving God allow that to happen? How could he do that? And yes, the death of Jesus was bloody and brutal. But it was not an act of divine indifference. It was not somehow evidence of God's cruelty, but rather it was the ultimate act of mercy and compassion and love. Jesus went to the cross because there was no other way that people like you and me could be saved. No other way that we could be made right with God. And that is the whole story. Sin is your greatest adversary, my greatest adversary. It is humanity's greatest adversary. We can do nothing to pay off our debt of sin. So without Jesus, without his atonement on the cross, without his blood being shed, we live without hope. But through Jesus, our sin can be washed away, not in part, but the whole. And now an important part of the Spirit's work in an unbelieving world is to kind of open the curtain, peel it back, and reveal the truth, the whole truth. And some of this, yes, can be kind of ugly to look at. But it's an important work that he does to help us. What he does is, this is that first bullet point there, what he does is to expose sin as our greatest problem. Expose sin as our greatest problem. Your greatest problem is not your car payment. It is not your D in chemistry. Your greatest problem is is not your health issue. Your greatest problem is sin because it is your only eternal problem. Your car payment issue is not going to follow you beyond the grave, I promise you. No collection agency can chase you after you die. But... Your sin problem is your only eternal problem. The Spirit, verse 8, he will prove to the people of the world the truth about sin. That's how he helps us. It's ugly, we're all sinners. We all fall short. The truth is sin is a rebellion against a blameless and perfect and righteous God. It is rebellion against His heart, against His character. We have all sinned. We have all built a wall of separation between us and the God who created us and who loves us. And that's the only eternal problem you have. The Spirit shows us this. And also, another part of this whole story... He works, second bullet point there, he works to open eyes to the certainty of sin's judgment. Verse 8, he will prove the truth about sin, about being right with God, and about judgment. He won't turn a blind eye to sin. He won't pretend that our greatest problem is no big deal at all. He will deal with our greatest problem because he loves us And he knows it has to be judged. We can't enter into the perfections of heaven in the presence of a righteous God with our suitcases full of sin. They can't work that way. He can't just kind of wink and say, no big deal. I mean, this isn't your sixth grade math class where you got a 60 on a test. But good news... Everybody else in your 6th grade math class failed the test as well. So Mrs. Suarez is going to put it all on a curve and you're all going to end up passing. It's not like that because Jesus Christ lived and he set the curve. He is perfect without flaw. And we are compared to him. That's the standard. The righteousness of God lived out in perfection in Jesus Christ that is the standard that's who we're compared to and the ugly truth is we're all sinners look, no one is going to see Jesus and me standing side by side and confuse us as being spiritual identical twins, right? He's perfect, I'm not He's perfect, you're not We are sinners, we deserve judgment the grade that I have earned is condemnation Now every time that someone is converted, it is because the Spirit has led them to Christ as the answer. So he works, this next bullet point, he works to prove that believing on Christ is the only hope of salvation. That is an important job the Spirit has, to lead people, sinners like you and me, to the fact that believing on Christ is the only hope that we have in the end not believing is the greatest of all sins that's the sin because you're refusing the only answer to your greatest problem verse 9 and 10 sin is not believing in me Jesus said sin is not believing in me he the Holy Spirit will prove to them that being right with God comes from my going to the Father So the way to be made right with God, the way to be moved back into loving fellowship with your Creator is through Jesus. And it's open to everybody. It's open to folks in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's open to everybody. And that's good news. Receive Christ. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Deal with your problem, your real problem. And all over the New Testament, when people came to faith in Jesus, when they decided to put Him on as Lord and Savior, what they did was they were baptized in His name. They would believe and be baptized. Acts 18.8, many of the Corinthians who heard Him believed and were baptized. And this story just keeps repeating itself all throughout the history of the early church. They believed and were baptized. So just a little footnote here. If you, were believe, if you were baptized as a baby, right? That's not what's happening in the New Testament. You need to believe and be baptized. It's not too late to do that. It's not too late to follow Christ as we see the gospel being preached the book of Acts. To believe and to be baptized. Believe what? Believe that you are... an. A sinner condemned and believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for you and be baptized into that. So, have you been baptized into Jesus Christ? Have you believed and been baptized? Jesus said, remember in Mark 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Not that complicated. Finally, the Spirit works, and I love this part. The Spirit works... To reveal the end of the chapter. Spoiler alert, right? Jesus says, I'm going to tell you how all of this ends. Okay? Good triumphs over evil. The Spirit reveals that to us. How do people like us live in a world that is so broken with the news feed so full of bad news and awful things that people are doing to each other and polluting the environment and all that stuff? How do we live with hope? That's how. We know how it turns out. We know how this movie wraps up. Verse 11, The Helper will prove to them that judgment happened when the ruler of this world was judged. Judged. So in a world of injustice, brokenness, pain, evil, the Helper, the Spirit reveals that everything will be made right. And while it may seem like Satan is winning, the whole story is, according to Jesus, that he has already lost. At Calvary... Jesus defeated Satan and all of the hosts of evil. It's game over for them. And we know the end of the story. That's one of the reasons we gather to worship on the Lord's Day, on Sunday morning. We know how the final chapter will turn out. Spoiler alert, God wins. So church, don't Just look out at the sad state of things. Oh, what's the world coming to? Someone really ought to do something about it. Accept your identity. Be the church. Be witnesses of Jesus. Be the body of Christ. Be Jesus continued. Partnering with the Holy Spirit. Powered by the Holy Spirit, be a witness for your Lord, Jesus Christ. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, do you believe? And are you ready to be baptized into the victory that he won for you on the the cross? Trusting that he is the answer to your only eternal problem. The other thing, folks, is if you want to pray with somebody today, what a great way to serve somebody. We're going to have two or three songs here during the response time just to go... Pray with someone. Pray over someone or ask for prayers because the Spirit intercedes for us when we pray. Let's respond to God together as we stand together.